somebody could beat Alabama. See, now here's the thing. Y'all give that louder than you do Jesus. And he defeated the devil at Calvary. Amen. You're the re- he's the reason we're here this morning. And I'm on the winning team today. I'm on the winning. It isn't just that the Vols pulled it off. It's the fact that I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And I am on the winning team this morning. Aren't you glad that you are this morning? Come on, give the Lord one more big praise offering with your hands. Amen. I'm having to adjust this back for the short folk. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Appreciate Pastor Matthew being here last week. It's good to have you here today, all of you here. And uh, had a great time last week. But if you're not home, if you're definitely not home, uh, I'm glad to be here because this is home. This is home for me. Uh, last week had a great service, two services, and I asked the team uh, to be praying for us. Uh, preached one service at 8 o'clock in the morning or 8.30 is about when we started. Another church service started again at 10, and then I'm telling you what a time, what a time, what a time we had. Good good time. Uh, pray for um, Pastor Tim and the church there. He's on sabbatical, and so... They just always treat us like family. We love them. Known Pastor Tim for over, him and Elise for over 30 years. Good people. They're friends of ours. And it's always a privilege just to get to go and just to share with them. It's a privilege and honor that they would ask us even to come to be a part of that. So this morning, what I want to do is take you into a passage of Scripture that I have laid and handled a back burner for some time and thought that I was going to preach a particular message title from it. And really felt like this week that the Lord said, that's not the direction I want you to to take you with these scriptures. I want to give something else for you to share with my people today. Is that all right? And so as I begin to think about, we're going to go into Luke chapter 5. And I thought about reading to you 10 verses to start with. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to break these down, these verses down, as quickly as I can this morning. Give you about four Joy, maybe five. Okay, so four, maybe five things. And I'm saying that because I have some say, Pastor, when you tell me you're going to give me five and you cut short at three, it messes me all up because I'm just not used to that. So I'm going to try to give you all five, but I'm at least going to give you four this morning, keys that are going to help you, things that are going to help you. Did you know that if I have my mathematics right, there's 56 days left in 2019? Can you believe that? 56 days is what's left in 2019. Somebody know how many days is left until Christmas? How many? You don't know how many's left. That's what I need to know. Anybody know? 40-something days is all you've got left till Christmas time. You know what? Here's the thing I want to get to you this morning. For some of us, this year, 2019, may have not turned out into everything that you wanted. It may not have been everything that you hoped for. And I believe that we thought maybe in 2018 that 2019 would be different and maybe it hasn't been that way. But I really believe the title of this message is going to really help you to understand where we're going to this morning. And that is that God wants to give you faith for the flip. And what I mean by that is it's not just this side of 2019 But 2020, God wants to give you faith for that. Regardless of what's happened this year, regardless of what's been going on in your life, regardless of what's happened over these 300 days now in 2019, 
can I tell you that the greatest miracle that I can find in the Bible is done in three days flat, and that's when Jesus went into a borrowed tomb and he came back out alive and victorious. If he can do that in three days, you got 50, he's got 56 to turn this thing around for you. And I believe that God can make it your best year yet. I, it was kind of weak. I believe that God can make your best year yet. Why, Pastor? Well, here's the thing. When you go, and they did this yesterday, I'm sure at these ball games, they flip a coin. When you flip a coin, the one thing about it is they don't make that coin normally with two heads or two tails. You've got a head and a tail. There's one. There's two different sides to it. The reason they do that is because there is a flip side to that coin. One team picks heads, the other one picks tails, and then they go from there. We look at a coin in a way that there's always two sides to it. There's a, a flip side. There's a flip side of things in your life. There's a flip side when things go good and when things are not going good. Some people might call it luck, but I'll just be honest with you. I'm not so much on luck. Some people call it karma. I just, I'm really not into the karma. Somebody just said it's good vibes. I, I'm, I'm just really not into the good vibes. But I do believe in the blessings and the favor of God. I do believe that God is able to bless you, that he's able to favor you. And you say, Pastor, why in the world would God bless me and favor me? You are his favorite kid. I said, you are his favorite kid. And at some point in your life, you've got to believe that. I said, you've got to believe that. If you don't ever believe that, you'll never have faith for the flip side. You'll never have faith for tomorrow. You'll never have enough of what you need. But when you believe God loves me, regardless of the circumstances, the situations, and the way the thing looked in 2019, I believe that God has something great for me in store for the 50-ish days that are left and 2020 is on the horizon. Amen. Look with me to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. We'll read those two verses to you first. And then we're going to break this thing down. One day Jesus is preaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds press into him and they listen to the word of God. He's teaching them. He noticed two empty boats. I'm going to say two boats. They're at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left. So I'm going to say they're, they're gone. And they are washing their nets. Father, thank you again for your son Jesus. Thank you for the grace that he's bestowed upon us, the mercy of God that is upon our lives. Father, we're asking you today, Lord, to Lord, look past me. Look, Lord, I pray that you would let these that are here today, Lord, not even really see me, Lord, I, but I pray today that they would see the cross. They would see, Lord, that today these words, this word, God, is for us. It's now. It's right now. Lord, that you want to do something in our lives that, Lord, can turn around even this year, Lord, for us. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you now, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Very obvious, and we're going to go down through these verses here in just a few moments, that when these fishermen are fishing, we know that we've got Peter, John, and James. They're all out fishing, and the Bible says that there are two boats they're standing up by the lake or they're empty there by the lake, which is an indication to me that if the boats are empty and there are no fishermen in the boat, that they are done fishing. Now, a couple things that you need to keep in mind. I believe 
that Jesus was attracted to these boats. He was attracted to them, and the reason I believe that is because when you read in Luke's gospel, we find out that these men were not just your typical average everyday, go out in the boat like me, get your Zebco 33, cast out some fishing line, and hope that you catch something. These men are professional fishermen. They know what they're doing. They are skilled in their craft. They, they have an idea of when to fish. The reason that they have stopped fishing, if you'll do a little bit of research, if you'll do a little bit of study, you're going to find out that they mainly fished at nighttime. That they mainly fished not only at nighttime, but they fished in shallow water. Do some study, do a little bit of research, and you're going to find what I'm telling you is true. But the, the, the thing that we see is that Jesus is drawn to two empty boats. Why two empty boats? Because anybody would know you, and Cole's not here with me this morning, but if, if you go to a fishing tournament, there may be some empty boats, but that's not the only boats. There are a lot of boats in their boat. There's a lot of boats that are here at this place. Can I say to you that today that I believe because these men were professional fishermen, that they were not the only two boats that were there. There were probably many boats that were, all, were, were around, some of them uh, being used, some of them being pulled out. But Jesus is drawn to two empty boats. He's looking at and he sees two boats. And what I want to do today is encourage you through the life of Simon Peter. Let's take a look at what was going on in his life and let you get a perspective of how a bad fishing day can turn into the best day of your life. Come on, somebody. I believe that it can happen and that it doesn't take long. Not just a bad day, but notice something. Because these men are professional fishermen, how God can take a bad business day a bad business year and in 24 hours turn it around to be the very best that they could ever have. Now I'm going to tell you that if that's going to happen, you're going to have to have faith for the flip side. You're going to have to do some things that the Word of God says. And the first thing that I believe that you're going to get out of these scriptures is this first point, point number one. You've got to steward well what is not working well. Now, for those of you that don't understand or don't get the word steward, and you have to do what a lot of people do and Google that, let me just help you with that. That simply means that you're to manage well what doesn't seem to be working well. A lot of people have the attitude and the mindset that when they get involved and they begin to do something, whether it's in business or band, if they don't think they can play well, they quit. If they don't think they're going to do well in business, they give up. The way that we know that these men are having to steward well what God has given to them, and I believe the reason, Pastor Ted, that God or Jesus was attracted to these two boats is one, that they're empty, and two, that he notices that Peter, James, and John are washing their nets. Come on, somebody, hang with me, hang with me for just a few minutes. He, he notices that they're washing their nets. He needs a conduit. He needs something. He needs a vessel, Jesus does, in order to get himself from the edge of the bank out to the middle of the water because we know this, there's a great crowd. 
Are you on the page with me? He, he wants to get from the edge of the water to the middle of it so he can talk to them. It's a lot easier if he can get back and he can see everybody and begin to teach to them. But these two boats, he notices that the guys they belong to are standing at the water's edge and the Bible says they are washing their nets. Now to begin with, when I first began to study this message, I began to think, you know what, God, this would be a good message on giving up. This would be a good message about quitting. This would be a good message uh, uh, teaching people that you shouldn't quit too soon. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, that is a good message. But let me tell you what I really want to teach everybody this Sunday. I want them to know that even when you don't catch what you think you ought to have, even when life doesn't treat you the way that you think it should... Even when you pull back your net and there is nothing, that you've got to continually manage or steward what you have that isn't working well if you ever prepare, if you want to be prepared for what God wants to do on the flip side or the other side. They weren't just letting them set with holes in them. They weren't just uh, leaving them there with the night's emptiness of what they had become and saying, well, we're not going to deal with the holes in them now. We've been fishing all night long. Let's just go to bed. No, they began to manage or repair or fix their nets. Why? They are professional fishermen. If they're ever going to catch anything, they got to steward well what isn't even working well because there's going to be another day to fish. But what they don't know is that this is not a setback, but it's a setup. That God is about to do something in Peter's life, in James's life, in John's life that they have never seen before. Their business plan is about to turn around and what they see, what seems like they don't have they are now going to have more than they know what to do with. Does anybody in the house would love to live that way? Would anybody in the house love to have that kind of lifestyle? Wouldn't you just love it if somebody called you up and said, hey, is there any way you can spot me a hundred? Is there any way you can spot me a Benjamin? And you say, you know what? God's blessed me and I got more than what I know what to do with. I got an overflow of abundance in my life and I know that God didn't just give it to me to give it to me, but he gave it to me to help somebody else. So here's what I'm going to do. Instead of just give, instead of just loaning it to you, I'm going to give it to you. That's what God's told me to do. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I ain't even got through the first point. These are the same nets that have caught nothing all night long. And I want to share this point with you. Get this. You've got to understand that God is not looking at what you don't have. But what he is attracted to and what he sees, listen to this, is what he has already given you. There's too many people looking at what they do not have. There's, they have a fear that there's not enough. There's a fear that there's not enough in their life. God is not looking at that. He is looking at it. What he's attracted to is what you have. And you and I have got to learn as believers to begin to manage well even when it doesn't seem to be going well or when it isn't working well. Let me give you a story, an illustration. There's a story in the Bible or a parable in the Bible about talents. Does anybody remember them? Jesus is talking about these talents and there's three people in the story other than the master. Notice this. I'm not going to read it. He gives one person or he gives one of the people one. Y'all with me? One talent. The next person he gives to them three or two, I'm sorry. The next person he gives five talents to them. What is important here is for you to understand 
that each of them got a different amount, but all three of them were given the amount they had. Are you on the page with me? Are you with me? This is and is an example of the grace of the master in this story that all the firsts, everybody say the firsts, all of the firsts are given. Somebody need to get a hold of this today. I'm going to preach whether you help me or not. I feel like I need to preach whether you help me or not. All of the firsts are given to them. The one that had one, the one that had two, the other one that had five, all of them were given to them by the master. But what they did with what they had been given, notice this, is the very thing that would qualify them for more. You ain't getting this. The very thing with what God has given to them, Jesus said in the parable, is the very thing that would qualify them for more. And the problem that most of us have is the fact that we're praying for God to give us another job or to give us a job because we're broke and he gives you the job and then a few months go by, a few weeks go by and you're blessed. That's a given from the master. That's God blessing you. That's the blessings of God. So you decide, hey, I've been so blessed, been riding around and been wearing these same clothes for the last month, so I need to buy me some new clothes. And now you're buying more clothes, and now you're eating out more than you've ever eaten out in. But you make up your mind and you decide that you need the clothes and you need to eat out more than you really need to give your tithe. I'm giving you, this is an illustration. You can go tell somebody at work tomorrow, you heard it at church. This is what your pastor preached, and they needed this. What are you telling us, pastor? I'm telling you this. You don't understand why it is you're doing what you're, you, you do it. You get more, and, you're, you, and now you're spending more, and you won't give your tithes because you think in some way, maybe like, like uh, the fellow that I talked about this morning, that's a little bit too much to give to the church. That's a, we need to keep everybody humble. So you, then something happens. You got the new job. You begin getting a few more clothes. You get a, a, you're starting to eat out a little bit. But notice something. Even with what you have, you start this thing called a struggle. You start, stuff starts to happen. Come on, somebody. The new car you got starts to break down. It's not working like it was. It's not new, but it's new to you, so it's got some issues with it. Stuff starts happening. The refrigerator, the refrigerator, you know what I'm talking about. The stuff that keeps stuff cold. The milk's not cold anymore. It's just lukewarm, and nobody wants to drink milk warm, uh, lukewarm milk. And you wonder why, and you, and the, you start struggling with all of this stuff, but the problem is you don't have enough or more to take care of of the new stuff you've got. Hang with me, hang with me, hang with me. Why is that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why it is. The reason that happens and the reason you're struggling is because you're wearing your rent. The reason that happens in our lives is because you're now eating your increase. And as Americans, we believe if we get more, we ought to spend more. I'm preaching better than some of y'all are helping me this morning, but the truth of it is, it's the truth. Pastor, what do you mean by that? God gave you an increase. It was the first of that. He never told He told you that from the first that you have, that one-tenth of it, ten cents of every dollar belongs to Him. But you decided that since it was given to you, it didn't belong to God, it belonged to you. Can I tell you, God wants you to steward well or manage well, even when it isn't working. Working well. 
But if you're eating your seed, you're not going to get a harvest on tomorrow. You will constantly put your money in with bags, with holes. You will not have enough no matter what you do. I'm preaching better than you're helping me here. And God is saying this. Can I tell you what I believe that he said I needed to share with you this morning? God is saying, what kind of father would I be that gives you more when you don't even take care of what I've given you first? I'm going to break it down a little bit. Pastor, we'll take it off of the money thing a little bit. And we'll say this. I want more friends. I want want more friends. I want church friends. I, I want more friends. And you won't even call back or text back to the one you got now. Come on, somebody. The first thing you've got to learn to do is that whatever God has given you first, that you learn to honor Him with that and your faith. Steward well what's not working well, and when you do that, that will qualify you for promotion. Next thing, I'm moving on. Number two, Joy, here's where we are. The next thing we got to learn to do is to let Jesus, this is what I noticed, verse 3, Verse, stepping into the boat, into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, push out into the water. Look at this. So he sat in the boat. Who owns the boat? Just told you. Simon Peter owns the boat. And the Bible says that he wanted to sit in the boat and he wanted to teach the crowds from there. The second thing you've got to do is learn to allow Jesus to sit in your boat. Hang on here. I noticed something, Brother David, about these scriptures that I never noticed before, and I really need you to get this. You need to understand it. Whether you're here and you're a blue-collar worker, retired, or you own a business, or on your way to owning one, uh, that Jesus stepped into the boat and sat in it before he ever asked permission. Pastor Ted, it's come on like a light bulb in my head. I've been the Lord's been on, had me on this thing. I can't get off of it, and He's been telling me, "Look, I want to bless Refuge Church like they have never seen it before." But they really need to understand some things that they some of them don't get, and it's been a while. So you need to tell them. You know what He's saying? That the reason He did not ask permission. To sit in that boat. Oh, I know it says that Simon Peter owned the boat. But the truth of it is, it was given to him. And Simon Peter was only the one managing the boat. Are you getting it? He's he's the only one. He's stewarding the boat. The boat already belonged to Jesus. The boat already belonged to the Lord. If you want to look at it in the spiritual sense. So he goes and gets in it. Now, let me bring it down to where we are. Let me help you with it. There are some situations in your life, in my life that God wants to intervene into but look you're not willing to let him sit in your boat I got failed friendships I got failed finances marriages failing all of this stuff that it seems like it's not working and Jesus comes read your Bible every day he's not coming and knocking to get into your heart to become your Lord because the truth of it is if you've not led him into every area of your life he's not really truly Lord of all because you're holding the keys to the boat you're holding the keys to the house you're holding the keys to the bank account you're holding the keys to the things you own in your life and you're saying God I'll let you in some areas but you ain't getting my bass tracker 
You can't have my Harley. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You can't have my new house. You can't have my new car. Can I tell you something? All the firsts come from the Lord. When you fail to let him sit in your boat, even though he's trying to intervene because stuff isn't working. You remember all the stuff you've been, you've got to manage it even when it ain't working well. He's knocking at your heart's door and he's trying to help you, but there's nobody that will open the door and allow Jesus to help you into the mess. And you're the only one that can do that. Pastor, how in the world do you know that? Because I've been studying, and we have been on Wednesday night, and this is a principle I want to lay out here to you. The Bible tells us that Jesus went away, that when he went away, that he would send the comforter, he would send the helper that you and I would need, which was the Holy Spirit from heaven. He said, it is your benefit that I go away. If I don't, the comforter can't come. That's in the Word. It is the Word of God. Listen to this. In the middle of your mess that you're in, in the middle of your failed friendships, middle of your failed finances, when your kids are acting like they're acting and you cannot figure out, listen, Jesus is constantly knocking on the heart's door, but I'm here to tell you something, he has already sent his cleanup crew to your life, he is called the Holy Spirit, but too many in the church, too many people in the church would rather shuffle around in their problems than to deal with what's going on in the problem, what do you mean pastor, we'd rather shuffle around the furniture than to sweep under the couch and the rug. We would rather sweep under the stuff than to deal with the dirt that we've got in our life. And every day, listen to this, every day Jesus is patiently knocking at the door of your heart and all he's wanting you to do is invite him into your situation. You see, he already knows that if you claim if you claim that he is Lord of your life, that he ought to have permission to come in and sit down. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that wouldn't let it happen. There's a lot of people that will put a stop on God when God starts getting, especially in the middle of their finances. God, you can have a lot. You can have a lot. You can have my kids. You can have my wife. But don't you mess with my billfold. Don't you mess with my 401k. Don't you Come on somebody Don't you mess with my savings account You know what God's saying If you don't let me come in and sit down When your mess becomes a mess I will send the Holy Spirit To clean up and to help you But if all you do is shuffle around the furniture And sweep the dirt under the carpet I cannot do anything You have tied my hand You see I believe that the greatness of God And the grace of God Will follow you all the days of your life He will constantly knock at your heart's door and his mercies are new every morning how do you know that pastor because the greatness of God has always been and the mercies of God will always follow you but there are two boats and those two boats are empty Jesus sets down in Simon's boat why I believe that he knew listen to this I believe that he was drawn to Simon's boat I believe that Simon had the most dysfunction Mm, come on somebody he had the most dysfunction going on in his life and the only way that Jesus can turn your situation around is when you allow him to come in into your current dysfunction, into your current mess and to change things. This same boat. This is the same boat that's, that never caught one fish all night long. It's the same boat but yet Jesus is attracted. They had nothing. I'm going to ask you something. Do you believe that 
God wants to come into your situation? Do you believe that He wants you to have more? Do you believe that God wants to provide in your finances? That He wants to provide in the church? Well, I'm telling you, then you've got to be willing to let Jesus set in what you already have. We love the end of the story. All of us like the end of the story because we know how the end of the story is. We've read it in Sunday school. Pastor, you're not going to tell me that. We like it because we know that they're going to catch all these fish. So many that their nets are going to start breaking. They can't contain them. But I'm here to tell you before God can bless you with more in your life, you're going to have to trust Him with what you already have. Can Can God trust me with an increase in my job? Well, the question with that is this. If God, in in increase, is God is asking me, can I trust you with the tithe on what you currently make? When the pastor and and those that are getting up per his request and saying, hey, we've got got a uh, legacy Christmas offering, which an offering is above what you, your tithe, your tithe is required, it's a tenth, an offering is, is exactly what it is. It's a generous love offering. It's an offering of what you have. It's above that, whether it's a dollar, a hundred dollars, or a thousand dollars. And we say, we're not asking you for your tithe here, but we're saying we want you to give an, a legacy Christmas offering to kids that may not have a Christmas, to people down in Honduras, down in South America, who are having trouble to just pay, paying their bills so they can feed them in a soup kitchen, God is saying to you and he's saying to me, I want to help you with all of that stuff. I want to bless you with it. I want to give you more, but can I trust you with what you've already got? Let me, let me go on. He's saying to you, I know you want a new car, but can I trust you to take the one you've got now to church on Wednesday night? I knew it was going to get quiet. I didn't amen myself before I come in this house. More than I need a fan, I need to tell you the truth. More than I need fans in this house, more than I need friends, I need to tell you the truth. Because if I don't tell you the truth, then you'll be able to walk out of here and say, Pastor never said that. I didn't realize that. That's why I didn't tithe. That's why I didn't give my offering. That's why I never got a new car. Listen, I'm not here preaching prosperity. I'm here talking to you about obedience. That's what it's about. And obedience starts with you and it starts with me. It starts in my heart when I make up my mind that you know what, God, what you've given me to manage and to steward well, even when it's not working well, is the only way that I'll ever see increase. It has nothing to do with what the pastor's doing. Come on, somebody. Or what anybody else is doing. Too many people think, well, if I give that, what are they going to do with the money? You know what? You might as well fold it up, double your money, and put it back in your wallet. I'm going to preach here. I'm going to preach here. Because if that's your mindset, if that's your attitude, you're already trying to give it with the wrong mindset and the wrong attitude, and God won't bless it. Once you drop it in the offering, once you click the button, it has been released from your hand. You've sowed the seed. It's up to the leader's responsibility to make sure that it's sown well. I want a job. I need a job. Can God trust you with the one you've got? Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. Now Peter, if you read this, you'll hear in the scriptures that he's really having to wait on Jesus to finish talking to the crowd. But he's using his boat. He's fished all night long. Jesus never addresses the situation with Peter until now. Until after 
Jesus has finished giving his discourse. He may have been short-winded like Pastor Matthew, and he may be long-winded like Pastor Tony. We do know from the scriptures that it's possible that he was a little long-winded because there was more than one time that they'd have to send out for lunch. Peter could have gotten out of the boat and swam to the shore out of frustration. But he had a presence of mind, look at this, get this, to stay in the boat with the only one who could change his situation. Out of frustration, he could have got up at the altar call and left. I knew I wouldn't get much, but I'll, I'll, I'll take what I get. He, he could have got up at the altar call and left because it had nothing to do with him. He didn't need salvation. He really needed to just get some food in his belly. But let me just tell you right now, let me just say something to you, that God never saved you to sit here for yourself, but he saved you for somebody else. You're going to see that by the time we get to the end of this. And Peter didn't swim to the shore. He didn't get out of his own boat and say, I've had enough. I'm frustrated. He hasn't dealt with my situation. He hasn't dealt with what I'm going on. Peter said, the only one that could change what I'm going through right now and that's a fishless day is Jesus and he's here in my boat and I am not getting out number three I'm getting there you got to trust Jesus even in the deep water look at Luke, Luke 5 and 5 master this is what Jesus, uh, Peter said to him We've worked hard all last night. You remember me telling you they fished at night? Do any research you want to. You're going to find out that's when they would fish. They're casting nets. We didn't catch a thing. Look at this. Somebody say this with me. But if you say so. We didn't highlight it, but it, it could have been. But if you say so. See, Jesus has said to them, something earlier and he said what you need to do is cast out your nets I know that you haven't caught anything but you need to go it's the middle of the day I know the fishing times the major time of fishing did you know there's a they believe there's a major time of fishing and a minor time of fishing and the moon phases and all that stuff like, and it really is not just an old wives tale and it isn't just in your almanac or your almanac however you pronounce that that there's a lot of truth to it when deer feed when wildlife feed there's a Peter's saying, Lord, this is the wrong time to fish. Everybody that knows anything about fishing knows that right now is a horrible time to be fishing. The moon was high last night. Go this morning, you ain't going to see no deer. They ate all night long. Come on, y'all helping me here? And he says, Lord, I know that I know that you said, and we normally, Lord, we go close to the edge. We fish in the shallow water, but you're telling me to go to the other side in the middle of the day, cast our nets. We've been up all night long, but if you say so. Oh. I got tired. Some of you men would be better off because basically what Jesus said right there was what some of us need to say to your wife. Yes, ma'am. If that's what you, maybe if that's what you say, yes, ma'am. We, we would be so much better off. Our life would be easier if we just learned, yes, ma'am. And Peter was looking at him and he basically said, Master, 
if you say so. Yes, sir. I, I, I know that you just rolled up. I know that you're a carpenter by trade. Everybody knows that. I know that you don't normally fish for a profession like we do, but I know that you know wood and nails and hammers and how to build houses and furniture. And I know about fishing, but if you're telling me that I can go out in deep water in the middle of the day and catch a fish, what do I have to lose? The same nets that I'm going to take were empty when we came in. Whatever happens, happens if you say so. Some of us need to learn that whatever our circumstances look like and our situations look like and whatever's saying in our bank account and our 401k account that we need to say if you say so Lord I think about 18 and a half years ago I had so many people in my life that tried to talk me out of resigning my job actually the business that I would have inherited renting the house that was completely paid for, driving two vehicles that were paid for, uprooting my family and coming to a city called Vicksburg. But you know what? God looked ahead in my response, and I believe that He knew that if I would say, Yes, Lord. Lord, if you say so, then I will go. And I remember the early days, Pastor Ted, Brother David, some of you that have been here, Brother Jerry, that I would try my best to obey God. And I, I would stand up and I'd say, one day God's going to, He's going to fill this house. He's going to bless and fill this house. One day we're, we're going to see multicultural people that are going to come into this church. And we're going to do our best to reach the unlovable. And I had my wife and my family come in and say, Pastor Ted, you know, I think God wants you to do this. biggest fan. She's my biggest cheerleader. She tells me when I do well, and she tells me when I don't do too well. You know what? I had to have a faith for the flip side. When, when Lisa walked to me three years ago on Easter, and we were at 165 in here on this, in this sanctuary that don't even have 200 chairs out. And say, Pastor, I believe that God wants me to open these doors up down at the ministry and us to do church there. I had to absorb what she said. It took me a few moments. I had leaders that said, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is what ought to happen. I don't know if this is going to be good. But I'm going to tell you that I had a peace then and I have a peace now. I had people who did not know me that well. They only had heard about me that stood at those doors and said, Pastor, I believe that in your obedience that God is going to grow this church. He is going to build this church. He is going to fill this church if you will obey God. Can I tell you something? My faith is not shaken. I have faith to the flip side. If you and I will do what God's called us to do, He is going to fill this house. Come on, somebody. And He's going to fill this place to a capacity that we could only have dreamed about and thought about a few years ago. Why? Because God's faith isn't shaken. He's saying, Tony Winkler, will you steward well what I have given you when it doesn't seem like it's working well? He's saying, Refuge Church, will you steward well what I have given to you when it doesn't seem like it's working well? Will you keep teaching that class? Will you keep loving those young people? Will you continue on the faith coming to the church and opening 
opening doors up and greeting people when it's a handful of folks showing up. Come on, somebody, hear what I'm telling you. He's asking you and I, will we go to the next level in faith? Are we willing to push out into deep faith? Most Christians only see what we've got right now. God's wanting you to see there's more. Pastor Ted, he's wanting us to see more than a handful of kids at refuge at the RC students. He's Pastor Tegan, he's wanting us to see more than a handful of teens. Come on, on, on uh, students on, on a Wednesday night. Why? Because God looks beyond the right now and he sees. Listen to me. I need you to listen. That some of you that have thought in your hearts, you say, Pastor, are you trying to are you trying to put words in my mouth? Not by any stretch. That with your children, listen to me, and even with what you're doing, that you somehow believe there's something, a bigger fish somewhere else. There's something better. I just got to find the right place. Can I tell you something? If God brought you here, you were in the right place. If he didn't, that wasn't between me and you. That's between you and God. But some of us need to make up our mind what God's saying to us and believe that by faith, hear me, and continue doing what God has called us to do. I'm not talking to one person. I'm talking to us all here today because in our classrooms, in our students, in our children, right here, there are teachers, there are pastors, there are prophets, there are song leaders, there are people that are growing up that you and I are responsible for And God's not asking you about what they're doing. He's asking you about what you're doing. And are you being obedient? Number four, you may repeat this. This time, everybody say this time. Luke 5 and 6. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. They had enough faith for the flip side of what they had experienced the night before. Simon went to the point of having no fish that he had more fish than he could handle. Now here's what you need to hear. When we, three years ago at Easter, were at the point, we were praying. I was praying. I had these deacons and leaders praying, Lord, what do we need to do? We're trying to stay out of debt. We don't want to be in debt. We feel like the only way that we can help other ministries like Beautiful Deliverance South American Call, the Call to Honduras, all of these different places, our state missions, the way that we can do that is trying to stay out of debt, keep the cost as low as we can, maybe cut places that we would normally hire somebody and try to do the best that we can with what we've got. Because we've got to manage well what sometimes isn't worth it. So at 165 in Sunday mornings, many Sunday mornings, at least 150, not even 200 chairs out, people were saying, Pastor can't find a place to park. Pastor, I go to the bathroom, especially the ladies, and can't find a place to hard to get into the bathroom. We're having to go over to the other building. We had all of these things, and we're planning, I'm planning, I'm believing, I'm saying, okay, God, the next step in this, what is it? Two services? Am I going to wear my people out if we do two services because we don't have places to park them? Lord, do we need to spend money, go into the other building, fix the building because the building's got leaks in it right now. We've just found some leaks that have got to be repaired. We've got to find somebody again to fix that. What do we need to do? Do we need to overhaul that building and everybody go into there? And in the middle of that praying, honest before God, in the middle of all of that, and they did not know what we were praying, they, they came and said, hey, we think this is what we need to do. 
That wasn't what I meant. I didn't mean for you. To, I didn't mean for you to do that. I, that. That wasn't what we meant. And I took counsel from people I know that outside and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out and sort through it. What do I need to do? And they gave me some good counsel. And then I, I, I do what everybody does. You know, we, we go to people first, and then we go to God and start praying again. God said, you prayed to me, and you asked me. And I gave you an answer. Now, you upset at me. I'm not telling you that it's what he said to you. I'm telling you, in my spirit, that's what I felt. Are you with me? And then, look at this. And I, th- th- you got to understand something. You're going to get people that are going to be haters. They're not going to like what you've done. They're not going to like what you're doing. They're going to be haters. But I'm going to tell you something. If Kanye West can give his heart to Jesus Christ and preach, and Taylor Swift is doing what he's doing, he's doing, isn't it something how the switch was made? But we got people sitting back on the law saying, well, I don't know about that Kanye thing going on. What, what was, what was the, how in the world did he get saved? Church people, Christians. And I'm sitting and thinking in my mind, Kanye gave his heart to Jesus. My heavens, what an audience he's going to have. And so they open up a, a place and say he's going to speak and sing and, and got more choir than they got preaching. But my heavens, at the people who are coming to church and now Google has got more searches about Jesus Christ and being born again than ever before. What in the world is the church doing? I sit back and wonder, well, you know what? God can't put 200 in the building. We've got to steward well what God's given us. Y'all that know me know I'm not mad. I'm appreciative. I wish I was. I'm I'm getting closer to it, but it's time. Here's what I want you to know. This is what I was saying about us doing and making the decisions that we do. Notice this. They've now caught more fish than they want to do with. We had more in here, really, and we were trying to figure out what to do with everybody, how to put them, where to let them serve. And what's amazing is people, once you do that, and they say, well, they they had to go over here. Some people are going to misunderstand. No matter how hard you try to make sure that they know that, you're going to get people who are going to say, well, that isn't like I thought it was. Now, I'm not saying that anybody here or there at the ministry hated on us. That's not true. But one thing I have learned is in the middle of that, because there were some questions, not by our leadership, but by others who would say, Pastor, why in the world, when they did that in September, would you take a perfectly good diesel van and give it away to them? I didn't hear that. Because God cannot bless what you're willing to eat and wear When you release it, and you say, God, it's sitting in our parking lot. We'll fix it. We'll do whatever it takes to put it back on the road, to get it what it needs to be, to be something. They need it, Lord, so let's bless them. Let me put it this way to you. If you've got somebody that, 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 and this is not, please don't misunderstand me. 
hater thing. It goes there and talks about trying to be a young hater. People can't hate you when you love them. People ain't going to hate on you when you pay their car off. People ain't going to hate on you when you give them $100. Pastor, why? Why are you talking? Why are you thinking this way? Because, listen, God didn't call me just to be your pastor, but he called me to teach you about faith. And sometimes faith is a hard thing. It's something that we have to deal with, that we have to learn. It is a gift from God that when you get hold of it, He can do more in your life and in your church and through your community when you just believe that God has given you more than what you know with, that you know what to do with, and that what He's given to you was meant to be overflow into somebody else's life. You weren't supposed to just keep it. Blessings will follow you if you're faithful in the seasons of your life when nothing seems good. Luke, look at Luke 5 and 7. A shout for help, they hollered out, brought the partners in the boat, and as soon as they both were in the, were in the boats, they were uh, filled with fish, and they were on the verge of sinking. God's attracted. He is attracted to obedience. God blessed Simon Peter's business in one day, 24 hours, so much so that he could bless others. If y'all all will, start with me. I need to pray for us. Will, let's pray.
See, what they did was, as an act of obedience, by putting one hand on it and walking up here, they did what many of us won't do. Some of us will lift our hands, and then what that said will say, too many people think I'm missing. Can I tell you something? I can't fix what you pay. Pastor Tegan, I want you to come up and I want you to pray for all of these youth that are here. If you would please pray for them. Pastor Bethany's praying here. Miss Cindy's praying here. Just give us a few. 